Welcome to Defend Theory. Hey guys, this is Julian Gray. This is Spencer Brown. Hi, this is John A. from Above and Beyond. And you're listening to Deep End Theory on, on UCLA, UCLA Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Deep End Theory with Leslie Snipes and Valid. Today we are joined with Bryn Lytle, and we're actually live in his Vancouver studio. Bryn is a rising progressive and trance artist signed on Euphonic Records, and he released his debut album Surreal earlier this year. And so for the listener out there, sort of the backstory behind this interview is that we had done an interview with Deza, um, and we knew he was in Vancouver, but we didn't. he said he was at his friend's studio. And then we interviewed Caillou and Albert at their show at Avalon Hollywood in LA. And Bryn was also there performing that night, and we were talking to him, and he said he was from Vancouver. And we mentioned we have this podcast, we had just interviewed Deza, and Bryn was like, oh, wait, that was at my studio in Vancouver. And so it was like a small little world of uh, progressive and trance artists where we were like, wait a second, this is awesome. And then that was kind of how this interview got started. It's funny, once you kind of get in, you realize it's such a small world. Everyone knows everyone. It's very small. Yeah. Yeah. A very tight-knit community as well. I feel like progressive is kind of unique in that regard. Yeah, uh, and everyone's friendly and everyone's gracious. And yeah, it's an unreal scene. Berlin has attracted our attention. Uh, we were completely hooked the first time we heard it on ABGT. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to hear this new deep sounding trance like sound. Um, take us into what your process was for that. Well, um, the name speaks for itself in a way. I was, um, besides being my favorite strain of weed, uh, I was in Berlin and um yeah, just the darkness and the just the sheer artist. Like, there's just this uh, kind of raw artistry in Berlin that really captured my attention the first time I went there. And I got home and immediately started making a song kind of reflecting on that. And it was quite deep and really uh, abstract. And I had some A&R advice from some... Uh, higher ups and they said this may not work on the dance floor so I had to kind of come back and make it a little more user friendly and it turned out really well. And so what got you into trance originally like when did you start listening and when did you start producing? Well I went to my first rave and that really I was like a rock guy like in rock bands and alt bands I loved screamo, and so I guess I guess melody was a key thing because I liked I liked the melodies and the vocals. And then when I discovered trance, I was like, "What is this? Like, this is so cool, so catchy. The beat and the vibe and the the environment, the rave environment. Everyone's just there, loving each other. It was just it really resonated with me. And I yeah, I just kind of kept digging deeper and discovered artists that I like, and yeah discovered like Cosmic Gate and Armin Van Buren and yeah that was sort of the early days and never really thought I could make it I I always wanted to try and then yeah I guess just over the years I started like I was always playing piano so I was pretty musically inclined so as soon as I I got a MacBook and opened up GarageBand one time and Mm -hmm. started making little songs in there thought they were ready to release the world <laughs> but they weren't <laughs> so i've deleted those all well thankfully my space went under so i think we're good 
<laughs> no one can buy them anymore. <laughs> uh, and do you find that your history with rock and metal influences how you produce progressive and trance? Like I do enjoy songwriting. So like writing lyrics for like I wrote all the lyrics for my song on the songs in the album. So that's like a skill that I kept from the band days because I would always write the songs for the bands. Uh, so that's definitely stuck with me. And also incorporating like live instruments. Um, that's one thing I'm pretty passionate about because, you know, you can fire up a soft synth and tweak it a little bit, but it doesn't really have the warmth that like a real instrument mm. does. Um, there's some pretty good samples out there now too. Like you don't really need to record your own progressive elements like you saw the rattles in there yeah um but there's just something about knowing that you did it and you recorded it through a mic and it's it just makes the song sound more organic so i guess you could say um not having a fear of bringing in other instruments into my tracks and the fact that you write your own songs that i think is a very unique aspect that you bring uh to the table because oftentimes we talk to producers and DJs and and they're more or less very digital um, and stick to the sounds. Um, and so right. it's I'd be very interested to hear how you come up with a, a song topic or how you flesh out. It's it's basically like freeform poetry, right? And when I'm writing, um, I'm off by myself with like headphones and a pen and paper, um, not to get back to the float tank, but that kind of thing. Like I'm going on hikes. I'm um, yeah, I'm sitting alone in the dark with a candle. Like, I'm just trying all different sorts of things, trying to pull in inspiration, listening to the song in weird environments and certain states and just trying to see, kind of come up with a theme. And then once I have a theme, then the words start flowing. So it's different for every song. And I noticed on the album, Forgotten Fields yeah. has a there's no vocalist listed on that no that's actually me singing yeah. i suspected it yeah. okay <laughs> nice yeah so do you see yourself uh singing more on your own tracks or like because so we talked to Caillou and albert about, about this yeah. and one of their like very distinct branding features is that albert is always the vocalist and mm -hmm. so that sound is only them oh totally yeah um and do you see yourself becoming more and more of a vocalist um, yeah, you know, there's there's some stuff there, maybe my own insecurities where I don't know if I want to sing on every song. The other thing, too, is I don't want to just assume that I'm the right voice for every song because mm -hmm. some songs might need a different voice than mine and not and trying to get the ego out of the way and being like, OK, you know, but if you have a vocalist, that's amazing. I mean, I just go with that. I For me. I don't feel like I'm the strongest vocalist, but my voice does fit certain tracks, if that makes sense. Yeah. So for Forgotten Fields, it fit. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, I did tell this story in a production tutorial I did on the track, but I recorded those vocals like eight years ago on this old mic. And then I re-recorded them. Um, I, this studio wasn't quite set up, so I rented a studio, another studio. We redid the vocals. And I was so unhappy with them that I took the old ones, pitched them to fit the track and use those. So I actually, the vocals on that were like super old. I made them when I was quite quite a bit younger. You mentioned Caillou and Albert. Mm -hmm. They played a big part of your career. How did you meet them? 
um, I kind of forget exactly how it all happened, but I know, yeah, when they asked me to do the Under Your Spell remix, that's when we definitely formed like a great relationship with them. And they uh, just the most genuine people I've ever met. And just, yeah, gracious and patient with uh, learning the ropes. And it's been, it was really, really cool uh, just to have them on board and then help them kind of encouraging with the album shortly after that was was great. And in terms of when you were just trying to assemble this whole album, how many of the tracks did you already have made and how many did you have to create after Kyle and Albert came up to you and asked for an album to release on their label? Yeah, so I had a few tracks that were already done. Um, Berlin Hayes had actually already come out. Uh, so they were they were encouraging me, hey, you don't have to make everything from scratch. You can include a couple tracks that you've released. So that was good. But most of them were um, totally just had nothing and just spent the next six months just building an album. And it was really, really, really crazy. It was so much work. But ultimately, uh, I didn't think I could do it. But then at the end, when you have all the songs and you're like, whoa, there's an album here. Oh, there's an actual sound, and it, it's it's one of the I think it's one of the best ways to explore your sound, and challenge yourself to just make a bunch of songs. And you mentioned the fact that you had to really dig deep in order to really finish out this album. So, what sort of creative processes or tricks did you have to employ to really be able to produce all this creativity? Um, that's a good question. Uh, just, f I mean, the first, first and foremost is just being in the studio every day and just keeping yourself open and an open mind. And just uh, when you sit down to work on a track, say you haven't started it yet, you know your album's due this date and you're starting to get stressed out, just blocking that out and really just allowing yourself to be like a conduit to whatever creativity is coming your way. And you just... Because if you're closed and you're upset and you're stressed, it's going to be really difficult uh, for anything to come through. So that's just like a really practical uh, step that I took to work on music. But uh, outside of music, I'd say things like um, using the float tank uh, really helped with the album. Just getting it. Have you guys, are you guys familiar with float tanks? Fill the audience in on what okay. you... So this has like been a huge tool for me as an artist is like, uh, they're called float tanks and you get in them and it's full of uh, salt so you actually don't float and the water's lukewarm or you float and you don't sink. Um, the water is lukewarm so you can't tell where the water stops and begins and uh, uh, you close the container oh. and you're literally floating what feels like in space. There's no sound, there's no stimulation, you can't feel the water and you're just floating weightlessly so it kind of feels like you're in space. Yeah, like a sensory deprivation. Sensory sensory deprivation tank. Yeah. Yeah. There I've only done it one time. Okay. And there's a I could see how if you did it multiple times that you would, you know, get into the vibe. There were parts of it where you almost feel like scared. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you felt that at the beginning. It's scary to look inside yourself and go, "Whoa, <laughs> I didn't know that was there." Oh, well. <laughs> and just the utter silence and lack of anything. Yeah. Just like your, your mind like wants there to be some input from the outside world in some form. Yeah. And so you're like, uh. <laughs> but it was really good. It was like yeah. one of the deepest meditation sessions I've ever had. Yeah. And um, I find when you come out of that, 
your just creativity's ready to just rampant, ready to go. So that's just been a huge tool. And that's part of the surreal is I was doing stuff like mm. that. I was learning a lot about my own consciousness and that kind of thing. And and yeah, a lot of that kind of went into the creativity of the album. How often would you go into the tanks? Um, tr- try to go in at least once a month while during this, that whole process. I haven't gone for a little while now, but uh, I'm due for a session. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, during that process, I was definitely using it as a tool. And you mentioned this uh, deeper connection to consciousness earlier yeah. as well. Are there other things that you do outside of the tank? Um, you know, meditation, um, some shamanic breathing, and just like really trying to just center yourself. Because uh, again, I really, I firmly believe that creativity comes through you, not really from you. So, mm. like, I think our, our unique like minds and the way we think, it, it's like a filter. So when it comes through, you put your own stamp on the song. But mm. I, do, I don't know where the creativity is coming from. But, uh, that's another podcast. But it doesn't really matter as long as you're open. So whatever things you can do to like open yourself up to allow that kind of the spirit of creativity to kind of come through you for me is like super beneficial. Hmm. Yeah. And so it's like flowing and you've just got to catch on it's for the flowing ride. And you just got to you got to be sitting there in front of your DAW not stressed out, not worried about the bills and just, you know, really let it, let it come through and make something special. So in terms of your journey as an artist, can you take us back to one point where it was a really hard time and you were able to get through it just in your career in general, maybe apprehension? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm full time in music now and that was like a really hard leap to make you know I'm married and so you know you've got your own little family together no kids but um still you know you've got someone who's depending on you and um so to to go from I was running a pretty successful company and to go from like kind of like putting that away and saying no I'm doing music that was terrifying but uh ultimately insanely rewarding and uh Sometimes it's not all about money. It's about loving, waking up every day, pinching yourself. And if you're pinching yourself every morning, then you're on the right track, I think. Yeah. Well, that's been kind of over the course of the last three years full time. But I mean, I've been going pretty hard on music for five years and uh, making the switch full jump about a year and a half ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It was the company music related or in a. No, no, no. It was a contracting company. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've been doing that like to get through high school or not high school, college. I did start when I was like young though. Like this was like my first job, and then I just owned the company, and it was great. I had some really great employees and did some really cool jobs, and it was it was a great experience. It taught me a lot about just how to run music like a business. I was just like, oh, if I just run music like I run this, it should mm. work, um, and it did. So, yeah. So you've been your own boss? I've been my own boss my entire life. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your family and your upbringing. Were they involved in music as well or and something else? Yeah, I actually um, come from a long line of musicians. Uh, my last name, Lytle, actually means little song in German. And my great-great-grandfather was a musician as well as my uh, great-grandfather. 
uh, which is pretty cool. He played the flute, I believe. Hmm. So, yeah. So, musicians have been running in the yeah, family yeah. for a while. And my dad's an amazing guitar player. And yeah, he had us in talent shows growing up and playing beside him and singing. And so, being on the stage and performing and um, every Christmas we had to perform in front of our family. So, growing up, so kind of like just got ingrained or we got used to it at a young age. It wasn't super foreign just to be up there embarrassing yourself, which is it's a good habit yeah. to be able to break, not getting nervous. Although you still got butterflies even when you're singing for Oma and three cousins for some reason, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that having all this experience, those nerves get better over time or when you take the stage, are you still kind of like um, well, I've always been, if once I'm on stage, I'm not nervous anymore. Mm. It's just leading up to it. So if I can just get myself up there, then it all goes away. And I'm just like in my element. I really enjoy it. But don't talk to me an hour before. <laughs> <laughs> and how much of the crowd do you really realize when you look up? Oh, no, I really like engaging and making eye contact. And I think, I mean, if the crowd's down and they're jumping around then i feel like you know as a dj you know we should you should be trying to engage as much as possible and that's half the fun you know you see one guy and he's sort of dancing and you're like yeah and then you get him going next thing all his friends are going and then they're all trying to high five you it's it's it's, it's a party so why not have a really good time you know so yeah that's my outlook on it mm-hmm. And how much do you prepare for a set? Like, do you go in with having the first track picked out or do you mm. just walk up to the deck and you're like, let's play this? It really varies. So there's a fair amount of planning as in like, I think, you know, we're going to start with this by the middle of the set. We're going to be into this sound. Um, but every show changed. Like sometimes I'd start really banging and then take it into techno and then take it into progressive and then back out through trance. Or sometimes I'd start slow and take it all the way up to trance. It just really depended on the room and the crowd, but I'd kind of get a gauge, watch watch some videos from the club, see kind of what the vibe was, and then sort of plan it, sort of an attack. But if it was a longer set, then I definitely would give myself more leeway to just sort of have fun and play whatever I wanted. Yeah, and it's very interesting to start seeing the, the fusion of techno and trance. Um, I'm not sure if this was a thing before, but it's a lot more prevalent nowadays, I feel. Um, and so for yourself, was there one thing that you gravitated towards first? Yeah, well, it's definitely trance opened the door to electronic music for me. Uh, one thing that I've really been enjoying about making more techno focused music is there's way less rules in techno. Mm. So like I can just throw reverb on a bus horn and then that's my bass line and it sounds great and so um haven't done that yet but uh maybe but um but I, I love that there's no rules where when you're when you're stacking you know eight super saws up in trance you can't really mess up that's got to be very clinical there's not really room to kind of just throw the rules out on that so with trance it's a lot more clinical i find in the production which i love doing i've been doing it forever but I find techno sometimes kind of fun to just no, I'm going to do this and I'm going to change this and I'm going to kind of have fun here. I'm going to throw this sound in 
And so I think techno gives you a little more freedom to just have fun with the production. And it's good to have both. both exactly. Of those elements. Yeah, it's good to have both. And I think the coming from trance, having that kind of clinical, clean sonic sound, but like th kind of breaking the rules with certain elements like bass lines and kicks and stuff like that, it just makes it way more fun. So yeah, I think that's why you're seeing a lot more sort of trancey techno. Hmm. Referred to. Oh, I'm so excited about yeah. it. I mean, I think as um, people start realizing that, you know, because we're called DJs a lot, but you know, most of us, yeah, we DJ, but we're like musical artists here. Like we're producers. We we love to work with sound and be creative. And so once you kind of took take the genres, kind of push them out of your peripheral, and allow yourself to just make something special to you. That's where you start, you're starting to see all kinds of really, really cool music come out. And not that there wasn't good music before, but it's, yeah, I think it's gonna create a lot of different stuff, a lot of really cool sub scenes. And uh, yeah, I can, I only see it as good as a whole. Um, I found the progression of the entire album to be very fitting. It was like a, the, the whole album is a journey. It kind of starts out, uh, the first track is soul force yep. very light but then yep. gets into the progressive by the end and then kind of the whole album builds in this progressive mindset up to some techno at the end yep. uh and i found it was a very fitting journey and i feel like the entire album was very intentional yeah um so how meticulous were you in designing this entire experience uh, pretty meticulous. Everything from the art to the track titles to the song choices was all uh, fairly well thought out, or at least I tried. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is it's a journey. I My radio show, End of the Tunnel, sort of starts slow and kind of works up. And that's kind of how I like enjoy playing a show, is maybe starting a little deeper and taking it up a notch kind of over the course of an hour, two hours, three hours. Um, you don't always have the opportunity to do that with the show, but I found with the album, I was, it would be kind of interesting to sort of make something in every genre that I play on my radio show and kind of just to challenge myself there with some cohesiveness, obviously it all kind of has similar sound, but take things a little slower from like 124 and then bring them into 126 up into 128, which is about as high as I actually I think the last song might be 132. So uh, yeah, it was a, uh, I just wanted it to kind of represent a journey, sort of whatever that means to you. There was some sort of personal um, meanings to me, but I wanted uh, I wanted it to feel like a, a trip through. Things get intense, they kind of go down. It's, it's just like any journey, really, you know? And I want to ask a question about the cover. Okay. It's got... So for the listener out there who's not familiar, the cover has this exploding mind yeah. with uh, three Earths Yes. Positioned outward. Yes. Um, I feel like it's very connected to everything we've talked about, about surrealism and consciousness. And so I did you design it? Or? Well, that's actually a very interesting question. And uh, no one's ac actually asked that yet is I actually commissioned uh, US artist Jeff Manning. He's a surreal artist. And I really, really like loved his stuff because I was I knew I was having an album called Surreal coming out. And so I started uh, creeping on all the all these surreal artists Instagram pages I'm like who's gonna design this and I ran across Jeff and I just loved his stuff I mean he was just unreal Jeff Manning you can check him out on Instagram he's awesome if you ever need anything designed um, 
And I just told him, look, like this is what we're doing. The album's about expanding your consciousness, expanding your comfort level. It just, it's about growth as a human. And I wanted head, I wanted some sort of, I wanted it opening, showing, just like what? There's more than just what's in here. There's so much more that we're mm -hmm. connected to as people. And he took that idea and ran with it and did a beautiful job, I might say. I'm, I'm really proud of it. I really like that whole connection to consciousness and meditation and all that. I think it's like underappreciated in our world. And uh, I'm glad that you're pushing it out there. Yeah, I mean, try not to be too uh, pushy about it, but it's just like, it's gonna be in the art and if you yeah. resonate with it, great, you know, if not then. I mean, I think just... that's that's the way you push stuff like that, right? No one's gonna properly meditate if you're forcing them to no, meditate. No. You gotta go Well, and it's funny, that. we talk about such, uh, you know, practices like floating and uh, meditation and then the live shows are just, <laughs> just, but it's a different kind of, it's, a, it's like this group, um, Kind of this group trance where everyone gets together and it's only good vibes and everyone's just dancing to cool music and i think that's also a huge special thing definitely huge special thing very special thing uh why the name surreal surreal well uh it was pretty crazy to have you know two people that i've really looked up to growing up and while i've been producing kyle and albert come to me saying hey you know we think it's time for you to make an album and i was like wow okay I don't know if I can do that. And so just the whole thought of even making an artist album was quite surreal at the time. And uh, during that process, I was booked to do my first um, US and uh, uh, European tour. And that was like, whoa. So just the whole, everything around the album was surreal. And it was also a play on just uh, my own explorations with you know consciousness and um, things like that. And I found, Digging deep into that has been extremely surreal. So I think life in general for me, uh, especially around the time of the album, was just feeling really crazy and just uh, super thankful. Um, and yeah, I decided to name it Surreal. I also think along the, the naming the tracks of the album, I feel like as I was listening to it, every single song feels like the song title. Yeah. In particular, the Dimensions song. The vocal is seeing these visions in my mind, yeah. but the song is called Dimensions. And I was like, well, okay, these yeah. two are definitely related. So what was your process for naming each song? Did you do it after the fact, I'm guessing? I kind of get this point during a song where I'm like, oh, this is what it's going to be named. That, actually, that process actually helps me finish the song. Because I can kind of visualize where it needs to maybe go. Because you start a song and it's there, but it needs, new, it needs elements and you're not sure which direction you should take it to finish it. And I find uh, if I try to give it like a cool name, um, something with some meaning to me, that's like, okay, so if that's where I'd go with that, then oh, I'd add this and then it, it's easier to finish. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. It gives you like, a, you have a base to work with yeah. and it gives you yeah, like yeah, a direction. final direction. I can even visualize like yeah. what would the music video look like for this song? Like what would my mm -hmm. visuals like, you know, for Ascension, I immediately was like, I know exactly what's playing behind me. I know exactly how to finish this. Boom, and then you're, you're done. So yeah, it helps. Um, and what's the biggest onstage mishap or nightmare situation that you've had happen? Um, I actually have a pretty good one. Uh, it was my first international show. I was playing in Zurich and um, uh, Ben Gold went on after me. So it was a pretty good, good sized room going on and I, uh, 
At that point, I was using a controller uh, to DJ. Um, so I brought my track, I was using Tractor, and I played a few shows like that and it worked out fine. So I got up there and we had done a sound check and dropped my first track and then everything froze. And uh, <laughs> so uh, Tractor was completely frozen. Like I was gonna have to fully reboot everything. Reboot. <laughs> oh yeah, full reboot. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, I didn't even know what to do. I was like in a cold sweat. Like this is crazy. I flew all the way here, my first gig in Zurich and uh, man. So thankfully there was a, this uh, legend DJ, CJ Stone from Switzerland or Germany actually. And he heard a slight lull, as in dead silence, for like a couple seconds. And then he was so awesome. He came running up, fired up the DJs, and got everyone going. And then I was able to reboot everything and then mixed back into my set. And it went really well. Wow. But that was terrifying to just be standing there with a completely frozen gear setup. And you're just like... Huh, am I ever going to get booked again? <laughs> <laughs> what a hero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, CJ Stone uh, saved the day. I'm sure in that moment, your head is just thinking, like, thoughts like, am I ever going to DJ again? <laughs> like, yeah. is this the... <laughs> exactly. Is Tractor my downfall? <laughs> yeah, nobody remembers. I mean, it was like a split second of dead air. Next thing you know, music's going again, and then I was into my set. So looking back, it, it wasn't to the crowd probably as bad as it was to me, but you know, just cold sweat. Thought, thought I might have a heart attack, all the good, all that good stuff. I mean, the crowd just wants to have a good time. Exactly. So whenever a mishap like that happens, as long as there's a relatively quick recovery, I feel like they're like, okay, eh, I don't really understand what happened, but okay. Like, yeah, they're on. very quick to forget. And that promoter has actually become a really, really good friend of mine, and he booked me again. So there you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there you go. Now you have it. Yeah. So we usually close out with the rapid fire section. Okay. <laughs> See if my brain's fast enough for this. Uh, <laughs> so just say the first thing that comes to mind. The answer okay. doesn't really matter. We're just going okay. for speed here. So okay. just first image that pops in your head. Uh, I'm like legitimately nervous for this right now. <laughs> everyone always is. All right, ready? No, no pressure. Ready, <laughs> set, go. If you were to get rid of one state in the US or Canada, which would it be? Which would it be? I can't get rid of any of them. This goes out to my friend Aaron. I'd probably get rid of Saskatchewan. <laughs> uh, favorite 90s track? My favorite 90s track? Definitely something from Nirvana. First album you remember buying? I can't remember the first one, but definitely an Incubus album would have been on the top. Uh, favorite effect when mixing? Delay. What song would you like played at your funeral? Oh, Tool, Numa. Dream B2B. Adam Bear. Spotify or Apple Music? Spotify. Are you a hunter or a gatherer? Hunter, I'd say. One word to describe yourself in high school? The nice dude. What did you want to be when you were growing up? A veterinarian. 
related. If you could be one animal, what would it be? Ooh, a wolf. And that's time. Well, Brent, it's been great talking with you. Would you like to give a final shout out to anyone or anything? Uh, well, I do have a new remix out for Ronsky Speed, and uh, that's called Follow You. So you can check that out. It's going to be on the Euphonic 300 compilation coming out in November. Um, and I do have a very, very cool remix by Monster Get Down. He remixed my title track of my album called Surreal. Mm. And that's coming out on Euphonic uh, November 1st. So if you like deep, dark techno, you're in for a real good treat. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, Bryn's got a guest mix ready for us as well. Yeah. Um, but thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. And enjoy the mix. Thanks. Yeah, enjoy.
risk it all Such a beautiful day I feel my heart, it's beating fast I risk it all Cause I'm under your spell I risk it all Cause I'm under your spell
the day I came to know myself, the person has disappeared. There is only a prison, a very living prison that can quench your thirst, that can fulfill your lungs.
I'm living, I'll be waiting right here 
my 